You are listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we are coming together for Autumn Revival 2021. Our special guest today is Pastor Darren Powell from Maranatha Fellowship. God has sent us a message tonight from heaven, wrapped in a man. That package came up I-79 yesterday from St. Albans. Let's put our hands together and make welcome the man of God for tonight, Pastor Darren Powell. Good evening. How's everyone doing this evening? Wonderful. You look tired. Why don't everybody stand up there for just a minute? Everybody stand up. You guys doing all right? See, you look better standing up, so I figured maybe I'd just preach the message with everybody standing up. That'd be all right? See, I'm going home tomorrow, so I can just, go, just mess it all up tonight. Pastor Robert can figure it all out tomorrow. That'd be all right. I want you fist bump somebody beside of you. Fist bump them, high five them. Don't slap them, hug them. Let them know you're glad they're here. And I want you to do something for me. Look at your neighbor. And tell them, Jesus is coming for you. Not to shame you. Not to hurt you. Not to belittle you. But to pick you up. Restore you. Breathe new life into you. Give you a future and a hope. And set you free of all condemnation. Of all hell. All fear. And every name that man has tried to put upon you, Jesus is coming after you to bring you freedom. Can you go ahead and just give God a great big hand clap of praise tonight? He's worthy of it. You may be seated. I'm thankful to be here. I thank Pastor Robert for allowing me to be here. Uh, this evening, uh, last night, is truly a, a, an honor and a privilege um, to, to always come to Jewel City. It's, um, if it wasn't for this house and this man of God, I don't know if I'd ever really has, have gotten into ministry, but it's always a privilege to be here. I'm thankful for that. I don't ever want to take it for granted. Um, uh, last night, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit like some of you. I, I'm, I'm stuck in some of my ways. I'm a creature of habit. And I don't preach well with a handheld, and we are just getting ready to wrap up the second or third song last night. And I look at Pastor Robert, and I said, hey, man, I said, by the way, I said, you know, do you happen to have another head mic or a lapel or something? He said, yeah, you can have this one. I'm like, I I wouldn't give mine away like that. And he said, I've never given this to anybody. And I think he got delirious for a minute, and he went ahead and gave it to me. So, Pastor Robert, thank you. Um, and, and thank all of Jewel City for, for your hospitality. You, you guys are ridiculous. We, we showed up in our room yesterday, in our hotel room, and we thought you all had left us a baby on the bed. There was such a huge basket filled of all kind of stuff. My wife, I still don't think my wife's gotten to the bottom of it. Yesterday, she said, look, there's a lint roller in here. There's a first aid kit. I'm thinking, my God, what are they going to do to me? Are they going to beat me up or what? 
But I, I'm just so thankful, and, and I just want to, last night I, I preached a word to you tonight, I just want to, uh, I just feel I'm supposed to minister, I don't know how it's going to go, I don't know what it's called, you know, and I used to get beat up with stuff like this, but you know, I am just who I am, and I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4, I want to start reading from verse 35, and I want to read through Mark chapter 5, verse 20. I'm going to give you a warning. I am dyslexic. I don't say that to be funny. So if there is a word added in here, it's because I saw it there or because words transposed and changed positions. Okay? So this is really iffy for a dyslexic to read this much passage of Scripture. So you could just pray for me, all right? Verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. This is Jesus speaking. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was there in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and re rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Verse 1. Then they came to the other side. Tell them they made it to the other side. You will make it to the other side. To the Sea of Galilee, the, count, the, the country of the Gadareans, and when they had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could tame him, not even with chains, because he had, he had been often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the tombs, and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. And he said, and he saw Jesus from afar and ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you, that you by God, that you do not torment me. Now think about this. This is a demon-possessed man asking Jesus not to torment him. Maybe that's just for me. Asking him not to torment him. For he said, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he could be sent, that he would not be sent out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we might enter them. And Jesus said at once, gave them permission, and they unclean spirits went out of and entered into the swine, and they were about two thousand, and they ran down the hill violently into a steep uh, place in the sea, and they drowned in the see. So those who fed the swine told it in the city and in the country. And when they went out to see what had happened, they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed with a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Think about that. 
seeing something that is completely normal and they're afraid. Makes complete sense, right? And those who saw it when he had happened, what had happened, they said to him, who had been demon possessed and about the swine, they began to plead with him to depart from their region. That's what I, I that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see somebody who does miracles and then ask them to leave. Reminds me a lot of the world we're living in today, just saying, verse 18, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how it is, he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalist, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Can you put the, your hands together and thank God that we made it, finally made it through all the scriptures. I want to talk, I want to talk to you this evening about the value of one and tell your neighbor, I'm the one. I come with a message tonight to let you know that tonight you are the only one that matters to Jesus. In this moment, it's your moment. In this frame of time that we're in, Jesus wants to radically transform your life. Notice in this text how things go from bad to worse. Ever been there? It seemed like, I remember when I first got saved, it seemed like I would hit a battle, I'd get through that battle, Dave, and then I'd face another one, but now it's multiple battles all at one time. Sometimes I wonder, it can't get any worse, and I'm still amazed that somehow it does. Look, look at the text. They are going through a storm. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the back of the boat. He's asleep on a pillow. And a storm arises and the, the water begins to beat into the ship to the point to where it's beginning to fill up. They go wake Jesus up and said, don't you care that we're dying? And they finally make it to the other side after Jesus calms the wind and the sea. And all at once, they have a revelation of who Jesus is, giving us the indication that you can be around Jesus but never really know who Jesus is. See, we got this backward in church because we think that if we give of our tithe, if we come to church, if we say hallelujah, we dress good, we learn how to do the Pentecostal shuffle or shout or, or whatever, we think everybody's good and it doesn't mean anything other than you know how to act. And it's only in the presence of Jesus that when he steps in that we truly begin to understand who he is. Because outside of that, nothing else matters. It's in those moments when we're down on our hands and knees, when we can't even lift our head, that we truly begin to understand. When we're on the verge of dying, when you're in the middle of a heart cath lab and you don't know if you're going to live or you're going to die, but all at once, the presence of Almighty God comes in the room and gives you the peace that... We have this concept, this idea that with Jesus, everything is easy and safe. And I'm sorry if you have a safe Jesus, I don't want him. 
Because we have this idea that Jesus is safe. And at the same time, his disciples, he's in the boat. And they're out in the middle of the sea about ready to drown. But it's okay because he's there. Oh, yeah, he's real safe. Hanging out with Jesus and guards come to arrest somebody and Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the servant's ear. And in those days, because of who this servant was, Peter would have been put to death for for striking this man. But Jesus not only heals him, but takes away all evidence of guilt. We have this idea that walking with Jesus is always easy and safe. And if you walk with that kind of Jesus, I must be lost because it hasn't been easy or safe. But in the midst of storms and turmoils and trials, I've seen his miraculous glory in the times that I didn't know which end was up. He always showed up. He always made a way. He always did something. He, he always does something to turn the situation. I know that some of you are in that place that you don't know. It's the 11th hour and you don't know if he's going to show up or not. But the 12th hour hasn't passed yet. But the thing about the storm is that it produces something on the inside of us that smooth sailing can't. It's in this storm that it usually produces a faith, a strength, a tenacity, a perseverance, or a temperance, or maybe it's to find out, will it make you or break you? We don't like to talk that way in church. But many times in the storm, Jesus wants to know, will it make you or break you? He really wants to know, how far can I take you? I have to know what your limits are. I have to know the capacity that I can use you and send you in. So if you're not going through anything, I wouldn't brag about it. It isn't because you're spiritual. It's because Jesus knows he can't trust you with anything. How far can he take you? How far are you willing to go The days of church on Easy Street, it's over. It's over. We are living in a nation that needs a great move of God. I'm not trying to be a gloom and doom preacher, but I want you to understand, I believe there are some dark days ahead of us and it is time for the church of Almighty God to shine unlike any other time. Light shines brightest in the darkest of dark. And I believe that in this nation we live in, we better be praying for our president. We better be praying for the vice. I don't care what party you, you better be praying for Senator Joe Manchin. You better be praying for the United States of America and ask God to move, ask God to heal, ask God to save and ask God to raise the bride of Christ up in this dark day. Somebody shout to the Lord tonight. I'm going to move on. I haven't even got started, Pastor Robert. I'm trying. Verse 35. Verse 35, Jesus says, let us, I want you, you plead, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open the heart and the mind of every person under the sound of my voice, whether they are here in person, whether they're in St. Albans, West Virginia, or whether they're somewhere else in the United States. Lord, I got a text last night. Someone in Oklahoma was watching. So, Father, wherever they are, I pray you would open their heart and their mind to see and receive what you want every person to see 
and receive. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Verse 35, Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. Now get this, they had just gone through a storm and they finally arrived safely to the other side. And I'm sure the disciples are just thankful to be on dry ground, ground that isn't moving, moving, isn't shaking, rattling, rolling, just glad to be on ground. They may have even kissed the ground, I don't know. And all at once a demon-possessed man shows up. This is great. We go from a storm to devil showing up right here. It goes from bad to worse. Are you with me? And in this, they started this trip to get to one demon-possessed man. The disciples didn't know where they were going. They were just thankful to be with Jesus. But Jesus always has a target and he always knows where he's going. Jesus knew where they were going when he said, let us cross over. He didn't tell them, probably didn't want to scare them. He said, but there is one soul over there that he's crying out, he's cutting himself, he's self-mutilating his body. I hear his cry and I'm going to go get him. And I want you to understand, Jesus went after this one demon-possessed man. Why? Value. Oh, God. See, heaven's value system is different than our value system. Oh, my God. Heaven's value can see what we can't see. Heaven's value. A young lady that was up here yesterday and, and uh, 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 this evening, the last night, she was talking about, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but how long clean she's been. And see, even when she was in her uncleanness, even when she was labeled an addict, even when people said, there's no hope, Jesus said, oh no, I know something about that girl that no one else knows. I know something about her that you can't see. And I'm going to go get her. I'm going to go wake her up in the right time, at the right moment. I'm going to go and I'm going to raise her up and I'm going to show my glory through the one that they said was no good. The one that was messed up. The one that, because it's when God finds someone like that, his glory shines, baby. This thing's still moving up here. <laughs> I wish he'd shine in me like that. You won't let him. That's, that's why sometimes God has to go raise up a, a mentally unstable person. God to go find a homosexual. I would touch him with a 10 foot. Jesus is not afraid of homosexuality. He is not afraid of drug addiction. He's not afraid of self-mutilation. He's not afraid of it. This is Jesus. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He ain't like we are. This, this is what I got out of this. Heaven's value system is different than our earthly value system. Only God knows someone's worth. And get this, anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows all the apples that's in one. In one seed. Value. 
That's what I like so much about God is who and how he can raise someone up. Someone that's flown under the radar for decades. Somebody that was a nobody and everybody overlooked that they were rejected and outcast. But all at once, something happens. All at once, Jesus comes on the scene. All at once, the blood of Jesus covers. All at once, the blood raises up. And all at once, God shines through a vessel that was once as lost as last year's Easter egg. Jesus is looking for the hurting and he's looking for someone to go after the hurting. In this message, no one is excluded. He is looking for the hurting. He's looking for someone to go after the hurting. And when Jesus gets to the other side, he finds what he's looking for. A mess. I love this. I mean, Jesus, he, he's just, he's jacked up, man. I, I mean, I mean, think about this. We try to avoid a mess. Jesus said, I'm looking for one. You know how I know I'm looking at you. I remember where he found me. No one else knew where I was or what I was, but he knew I was a mess. Jesus goes to the other side and he finds what he's looking for. He's looking for a mess. I want to talk to you about mess, miracle, and ministry. Mess, verse 5, chapter 5. Let me read this. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. We read this and we think this is just back in biblical days. And what we fail to understand is there are teenagers and there are young adults all around us that they are cutting themselves. They are doing all kinds of self-mutilation, whether it's through eating disorders or razor blades or needles or confusion or bought into some lie that the world has told them and they're confused and we look at them and we think we want nothing to do with them. But I tell you, Jesus is looking for someone who will go after the one who is in the middle of a mess and bring him hope. And this man, he was in the middle of a mess. He was living in a graveyard. And he was cutting himself. He was crying out. He was self-mutilating. He had lost his identity. He was in over his head. He got too close to something that he should have stayed away from. It can happen to any of us. Yes, None of us are exempt. He got too close to something that he should have stayed away from. In verse 3 in the New Living Translation, it says, No longer he could be restrained, even with chains. At one time, chains could hold him. At one time, chains could hold him. But now what manifested, what grew so strongly, started out so small, but it's become so strong, now even chains can't hold him. And can I just say that someone who is in a mess doesn't need chains put on them. They don't need names put on them. They don't need something to label them. They need someone that'll help them 
gain freedom. They need someone that'll love them in the hell that they're in. Someone that'll love them in the mess that they're in and said, I don't know how, but I'll get you in the presence of the one that can. What was in this demon-possessed man that was so important? What did he do in Scripture? What was his value? He was a mess. And can I just say that Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. And when you find someone in a church that you don't know how to handle them, don't put a chain on them. Lead them into freedom. Jesus isn't ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed by you. And he wants to see you healed. He wants you saved. He wants you delivered. He wants you set free. Number one's a mess. The second one is a miracle. In verse 15, then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion. He was sitting clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. I still, I read that 25 minutes ago. It still makes no sense to me, Rusty. I don't understand why they saw a man set free and they're afraid. Unless it affected their economics. Or unless it changed their lifestyle, or unless it changed the way that they lived. Verse 15, we see a miracle. You can't have a miracle without a mess, although we all want them. We want to see the dead raised, but we don't want to see the one our loved one die, so it has to be raised. We all want to see someone set free of cancer, but we don't want any of our loved ones to get cancer. But I declare to you, there is something going on in this house that you will see cancer healed. You will see mighty moves and miracles of God. Yes, yes, and yes. You will see moves of God, miracles of God, just like you've prayed for, just like you've believed for, just like you fasted for and no one knew it. Yes, yes, and yes, you will see it in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise right there. What you have to get a hold of is your mess is just a miracle in the making. You can't have a miracle without a mess. I mean, look at yourself. Remember where you used to be? Remember how you used to live? Remember what you used to drink? Remember what you used to swallow? Remember who you used to... Remember how you used to float around from bar to bar? Remember how you used to scan the internet? And the pornography and all this other stuff. Remember where Jesus brought you from? How dare we look down our nose at someone else when they're in a mess? How many of you need a miracle? Seriously. Now, I want to challenge you here. I'm not trying to condemn you. I just want to challenge you. Let me ask you a question. What would you do with it? What would you do with a miracle if God gave it to you? Really, I mean, what are you doing with the miracle that he's already given you? He's given all of us miracles. I mean, I know. I know who I was and I know who I'm not. And I know how, whoo, whoo, easy. I know how he's transformed me. I, I know what he's done in my life. I know how he showed up in my family. I know how he's saved and delivered. I know the promises that he's made to me about my children and grandchildren. And it wouldn't have happened had there not been transformation. I'm not going to apologize for crying. I cry. 
But what would you do with your miracle? What are you doing with the miracle that you have now? Are you sitting on it? Have you forgotten about it? Or are you sharing it? Listen, a miracle is never just to bless you. A miracle is always for others, uh, others also. A miracle is always to encourage the people around you, not just you. It's just, just like this, this young girl that was over here playing the guitar, singing the song. The gift that God has given to her, I'm sure it's a blessing to her, but it's more than just for her. And you only wait and see just, whoo, my God, where it's going to go. Oh, I, I got to, let me get off that one. I don't, don't want to jack her parents up too bad. I love the Holy Ghost. I love how he just shows you a picture of something. You can see a little glimmer of it. Don't know how, don't know where it's going to happen or when, but oh my, look out. Let me move on. The great thing is, is that when you get a miracle, everybody sees it, and half of them's mad when they do. Isn't it amazing how somebody can, isn't it amazing how somebody can receive a miracle and people still get mad? And they're mad because they didn't get theirs because they believed harder than you have. They fasted longer than you did. And all at once you show up, you get saved. You get a miracle. Everybody around you is getting saved and your family's still lost. Oh, I think I struck a nerve. <laughs> but it's amazing. Everybody sees it. And half the people get mad. Don't be one of those half of people that get mad. Learn how, to, learn, learn how to share in someone else's blessing. Don't, don't be one of those people. Learn how to rejoice with others. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, one member is honored and all members rejoice with them. Learn how to share in someone else's blessing because when you learn how to share in someone else's blessing, you never know when some of that's going to spill back onto you. So when you hear tell of someone else getting blessed financially, don't get upset with them. Just share in their blessing, and you don't know when some of it's going to... Share it, but learn how to share in it. When you see someone get healed, come up and tell them how happy you are for them. When you see someone get blessed, come up and share in just how... This is what I would do if I saw someone down here getting blessed and the Holy Ghost settled down on them and they start shouting. I've seen it with Scotty Beverly. Scotty scared the daylights out of me one service. I'm up here preaching and all at once I come over and touch him. He comes up out of the seat. He starts running around. He comes up to me the next service. He said, Pastor, don't you ever touch me with that kind of anointing on you again. I about died. I said, I thought I was going to die. But what I would do if I were you, when I see the Holy Ghost settle down on somebody like that, stand up, brother. I'd say, hey, brother, what's going on, man? Yeah, brother. Yeah. Get somebody in on me right there. But we don't want to do that. We're too proud. There used to be a day when we were hungry and desperate for stuff like that, but now we're just proud. We don't want to have need of anybody. I'm my own man. I can do my own thing, and you're going to be lonely. And I don't know about you, but I've had enough of COVID. I had enough of social distancing. I had enough of airports, a joke. Social distance. You ever try to social? They herd you around like a bunch of cows. Then you sit you down and I don't know about you, but I don't fly first class. I, I fly what they call the E-class, economy. And I fly economy and I'm all up like this. Social distancing. Oh, I got my mask. That mask, that mask ain't going to save you. 
I, I might be out there. I might need you to help you get me out of this mess I'm in. I'm in it by myself. That's my brother right there. It's a good thing I know how to swim. But we're too proud. Unless it convenience us. And I tell you what, I'm in a kingdom that it's not just about me. But when he gets blessed, I get blessed. When I get blessed, he gets blessed. When you get blessed, I... it isn't about me, it's about we. That's the way the kingdom operates. It's called unity. And we have to understand that when someone else gets blessed, we need to learn how to share it, but also share in it. We need to learn how to be happy with one another. When was the last time that you shared what Jesus has done in your life? If God gave you a miracle, would you share it or would you just keep it to yourself? Because you have to understand that when God moves in your life, it's never just for you. It's always for the ones around you and the others who who are in eye distance of you. Sometimes someone has to stir it up on the inside of other people. And it's time that you stop looking at someone else to do it and you look at yourself and say, God's been good to me and maybe I need to go be the one that stirs it up on the inside of someone else. When was the last time you pulled from what God has done in your life? Well, it's been so long. Then start something new all over again. You are not that far gone. You are not that cold that God can't breathe on you and make you hot again. You're not that lost. My Lord, when was the last time you shared what God's done for you? When was the last time that you told someone of his goodness? God is looking for someone that will walk through a mess to share their miracle. Sometimes someone has to stir it up on the inside of themselves and then pull, pull it out of someone else. In 2 Timothy 1.6, I love this. Paul, he's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He said, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is talking to Timothy and he said, I am going to stir you up with what's already in me. He said, I can look in you and I can see God is moving in you. He's placed a seed in you, but I know it's already manifested in me. Now I'm going to lay my hands on you and what's in you is going to come alive. When was the last time you were Paul? Everybody's wanting to be Timothy and wanting to Paul, but I assure you, you have to stop waiting on Paul and become Paul. When God has already moved in your life, when he's already manifested in your life, you must become Paul. Oh, Lord. I hope this is okay. This is the way I look at it. He is in me for me, but he is on me for you. And if he operates in me that way, he wants to operate in you that way. Because ain't nobody in here that special. Nobody. He's in me for me, but he is upon me for you. It's time to share him. You just have to be bold enough to stir up what God has already placed in you to pull out of what God's placed in someone else. Kingdom draws kingdom. A few months ago, 
I went to the hospital to visit one of our precious saints. She was in the hospital and she was struggling when I got in there. She couldn't really even focus. She didn't know me. She didn't know what was going on. Her breathing was real, real erratic. She was having difficulty breathing. It wasn't COVID, but she was having lung issues. And because of the lack of oxygen in her blood, she couldn't focus well. She really didn't know what was going on. And the only thing I knew, I was in there. Her daughter was in there. And the only thing I knew to do was begin to praise the Lord. The Lord hadn't told me to pray. He said, you just praise me. And the only thing I begin to do was, God, I just thank you for who you are. You are mighty. You are strong. You're my strong tower. You're, you are the bright and morning star. You're the lily of the valley. And about that time, all at once, something ha happened on the inside of this woman laying in the bed. My praise began to wake up her praise. And as I begin to praise the Lord, she began to praise the Lord. And this is some of what she said. She said, Jesus, you are everything to me. And and about that time, and you have to understand what I'm about to say, is each time she said this, she said it a little more with confirmation, a little more louder, and with a little more soul. You have to understand who this woman was. She said, my soul says, yes, Lord. And the second time she said, my soul says, yes, Lord. And the third time she said, my soul says, yes, Lord. She said, you don't know like I know how good God has been to me and all I did was just begin to stir up that praise. Just stir up. I didn't know what I was doing. I just told God how good he was and it woke something up. When was the last time you pulled from what God has done in you to awaken it on the inside of someone else? That's a miracle. When you're willing to allow God to use you in that capacity, and all at once, as she began to praise the Lord, her eyes locked in on me. She said, Pastor. All at once, she knew what was going on around her. All at once, her breathing became normal. All at once, her numbers came right back in line. And all I did was just praise the Lord. And it woke something up. On, are you still with me? If someone's sleeping, elbow them pretty firm. I say, get back in the game. Yeah, should I? Okay. How many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible? She was illegally in God's presence. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be graphic, but she was bleeding. She wasn't allowed to be in public, let alone in church. She was illegally in the house of God, illegally in the presence of Jesus. And it said that there was a multitude of people thronging him. In other words, everybody was pressing up against Jesus. And he turns around to the disciples and said, hey, you touched me. And they're like, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, there's the thousands here. What do you mean? He said, no, you don't understand. Somebody's pushing up against me, but only one. And that desperation of that one, my God, puts such a demand on his spirit that virtue flowed from him. Kingdom, oh, oh, kingdom pulls. Kingdom. 
When the kingdom is alive in you and you get into a presence, into an atmosphere like this, and you begin to worship God, it puts a demand on his spirit that it just doesn't flow on you, but everyone. Okay. Oh, I'm getting iffy. There has been times you come in this sanctuary and you got blessed and you didn't do anything to get it. But your worship leader and your pastor spent time in the presence of Almighty God and they put such a demand on his spirit that he released to them and you were the benefactors of what... A miracle is when the power and the anointing of Jesus touches you. So a mess is when you're in the need of the power and anointing of Jesus, but a miracle is when the power and anointing of Jesus touches you. I'm, 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 I'm closing, but give me about another hour, okay? This is ministry. Brother, I pray with all of my heart that this week you are filled, you are fed, and you are blessed. Because, brother, you have always been faithful to fill, feed, and bless everyone around you. <clears throat> let me let me read this. Let, let me let me read verses sixteen through twenty. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him, and how he had been demon possessed, and about the swine. Then they begin to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. What I want you to understand is that miracle isn't the stopping point. Many times we get a miracle, we get blessed, and we stop. And that isn't the stopping point. Triumph is the stopping point. When you walk out with more than you went in with, that's triumph. Too many times we stop when we just get back what we thought we lost. And God wants to give you something more than you had before. Miracle isn't the stopping point. The third one is ministry. You can't have ministry without a miracle, although many are trying. I'm not, trying, I'm not, I'm not coming against any minister, pastor, or anything like that. But do you realize it is, it, 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 you are able to build a lucrative, successful church now and never have Jesus be a part of it? It's just we've learned how to work people. We know how to gather people. We cultivate our gifts and, 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 and we prime our gifts to where we draw people. And I want you to understand that if Jesus isn't in it, I don't want it. I don't want to refine my gifts so well I can draw someone. I want the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon. I don't want just a gift. I want the anointing on the gift because the anointing on the gift makes the difference. Mm. You can't have ministry without a miracle. Verse 17, Jesus will not stay where he isn't wanted. That's why praise and worship 
is so, so, so vital. I said praise and worship. There's a difference. Praise will get you into his presence, but worship keeps you there. That, that's why when I, 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 there, 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 is a, there is an anointing on this house in, in, in praise and worship. I, I, I've watched the past couple nights how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, operates through Carrie. And, 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 and she'll start out differently, but it's always in, in an atmosphere to where it begins to, to, to lift, to, to, to begin to lift everything up. And then all at once, that, that's the praise when it begins to lift. And then, then the worship kicks in. And that's when you can just kind of like settle into his presence. This is the way that I look at it. How many of you have remember when you were dating? And remember when you were dating and you were telling each other how good you were? You're just the best. You're the prettiest. You smell so good. That's praise. Okay? But, 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 but when, you, when, when you learn to have those hard conversations and make it through, that, that's intimacy. That's called worship. I'm just trying to get it to where you can all see it. That's really what goes on up here every service. It's praise and worship. Praise will get you into his presence, but it's worship that keeps you there. And then in this, look at verse 18. Then it said that he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus got into the boat and he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, uh, you can't come with me. He said, I want you to go home and tell everybody how good I've been to you. I want you to go home and tell of God's goodness. Ministry, listen, ministry isn't just behind a pulpit. Ministry is you sharing your mess and how God gave you a miracle and you begin to do ministry. That's ministry. It's when you begin to share what God has done for you. And I want you to understand home is wherever God calls you. In verse 20, we find out that this ex-demoniac, tell your neighbor he was an ex-demoniac, It tells us that he did it. He went to Decapolis. Decapolis was not a small region. It was a 10-city region. I was there when we were in Israel. Well, I got to walk on some of the same streets that this man walked on. Oh, God. Remember? Got to walk us all those real tiny little pieces of, of, of tile that they were so intricately placed, still that dated back to biblical days. And it was a huge area. It wasn't something small. So Jesus said, no, go home and tell everybody what I've done for you. And it said that he did it all at once. And Jesus sent one who had been messed up, who had experienced a miracle in his life. That's what qualified him to do ministry. You do not need a university to qualify you. You don't need some some priest to qualify you. You just need to understand I'm in a mess and God's done a miracle in me and now I'm... Yeah. We don't even know his guy's name. Ex-demoniac. We don't even know his name. And my point is this, what he, been, what he was, went through qualified him for ministry. And my point to you is what you've been through, what you've overcome what you've been delivered of, you now have authority over. God brought you through homosexuality, you have authority over it. He brought you through addiction, you have authority over it. Start operating in it. When you see someone struggling, lay your hands on them and stir up in them what God's already deposited in you. I gotta move on. Ministry is when the power and the anointing of Jesus flows through you onto others. 
So we find that he was in his 10 region city. Carrie, I'm finished. <clears throat> and in this, we see the value of one demon possessed man. Anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows all the apples that's in one demon-possessed seed. So he goes back to Decapolis and he begins to minister there. And I remind you that ministry is always for other people, never for the one that God's using. And he goes back and we find that in Mark 7, verses 31 through 37, I'm not going to read it for sake of time, that, that Jesus goes back to Decapolis, the place where he, where he, um, where he uh, um, told this man to go have authority over and tell what great works he had done. Jesus goes back to Decapolis and they all at once, they bring a, a deaf man up to Jesus and, and, and Jesus touches the deaf man and, and, and heals the deaf man. And, and, and why did they bring this deaf man to Jesus in the first place? Because someone went home to Decapolis and told what God had done for them. And also, Jesus still in Decapolis in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, 4,000 people followed Jesus for three days. Never left him for three days. And on the third day, all 4,000 of them got to experience a miracle as Jesus with a couple loaves and a few fishes fed all of them and had seven basketfuls left over. Why? How in the world could this happen? Because somebody went home. God is looking for that one that's messed up tonight. He's looking for that one that, that is all messed up and you feel like he knows your value. He knows the value of one. There was at least 4,001 apples in this demon possessed. It's in the text. It's in the text. There was at least 4,001 apples in that one demon possessed man. What can he do with you? And as you all stand to your feet tonight, He's looking for that one. And you're a mess and you're the only one that knows you're a mess. Because you're hiding behind your smile and your nice clothes. But he sees you. He sees how broken your heart is in this moment. He knows you're hurting. He knows your pain. And you're looking for relief everywhere. But you know he's the only one that can give it to you because you've experienced it before. The only difference is that this time you, you, don't, you don't want to come to him because you act like you got it all together. And I'll tell you, I've just come to a place in my life that I don't care what people think about me anymore. I've come to a point in my life that it doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter how you talk about me. The only thing that matters to me is that when I stand in His presence on that day, I pray. 
I'm found faithful. On that day, nobody's going to ask, hey, what do you think about Darren? Doesn't matter. But you're hiding tonight. You're hiding behind a facade that looks good, but you're getting weary. You're tired of fighting. And I want you to know that Jesus has been looking for you the entire service. And all he wants is to bring deliverance to you. He knows how broken you are. He knows the pain you're in. He knows that you're thinking that you're no good. But he says, but I still know your value. I still know all the apples that's on the inside of you. I know all the ones I've called you to reach. So tonight I'm going to ask you to do what the demon-possessed man did. And that's just get in his presence. Yes, you can do it where you are. But since we have the opportunity, why don't we gather around the altar tonight? Those of you who are hurting, those of you who are struggling, those that may be in need, the ones that your heart may be broken and shattered, your life may be a mess. Oh, it looks good on the outside, but on the inside, you're a shattered mess. And I want you to know that God just wants to pick the pieces up of your life and put them all back together. No, he doesn't want to erase the cracks or the holes because the cracks and the holes is where he shines through. So tonight, all over this sanctuary, all over the internet, let the Holy Spirit do a work. Let God do what only God can do. And let him pick up those pieces. Let him take your broken heart and let him breathe on it and mend it and make it whole again. Let him do what no woman can do for you. Let him do what no man, what no bottle, what no syringe, what no powder. Let him do what the internet can do for you. Just come to him tonight and say, God, here I am. You do what you want to do in me. Reveal your brokenness to him tonight. And let him heal it. It's time you stop. And it's time you let him step into your situation. As they sing tonight, you come and let the King of Kings, the Holy Spirit himself, do spiritual surgery on you and put you back together again. As we're in this atmosphere right here. Could you lean over to a neighbor and just say, will you help me make it? Just tell somebody on whether to share this or not tonight. See, you have to understand that the Lord, He is after you. Not to hurt you, shame you, but to save you and deliver you. And pull you in that all that He's created you for, but you will never make it by yourself. We need each other. Help me make it. 
And there may be times in your life where you need to look at someone and say, would you help me make it? And the one that taught me this was my father-in-law, Richard Hawkins. Richard, man, he'd give you the shirt off his back. He'd do anything for you. He'd give you anything he had. He loved Southern gospel music. He was a good man, but at this point, he wasn't a safe man. And I remember, Pastor Robert, if I'm not mistaken, it was back in the late 90s. Uh, Promise Keepers were coming to Pittsburgh, and there was a group of guys here that we were all going to go, and I asked my father-in-law if he'd go with us. I said, Rich, I said, you want to go to Promise Keepers? I said, you want to go to Promise Keepers with it? Well, what is it? You know? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with you. And he went with us. And I don't know when it happened. I don't know what part in the service, but at some point... Richard accepted the Lord. He gave his heart to Jesus. And, and I'm thankful for the moments around the altar when we know. But I want you to understand that isn't the only time that someone gets saved. He, he may have been in his seat, but he got saved. And when we're on our way back, and I didn't think anything about it. I didn't know he got saved. And, and we're on our way back, and he's beside of me, and he grabs a hold of me, and he spins me around. He looks in my eyes. He said, Darren. He said, listen, he said, I made a decision for the Lord this weekend. And he said, I, he said, I need you to help me make it. He said, I need you to help me stay on the straight and narrow. I need you to keep me accountable. I need you to just help me. Man, I was just a young Christian myself. I, I, I didn't know if I knew what to do. And to be honest with you, I really didn't do that much. The only thing I would do it, I would just listen to him when, when he wanted to talk. And we didn't always see eye to eye, but I did my best to just be there for him. And when he wanted to talk or when he needed something, but really, to be honest with you, the only thing I did was just live my life in front of him. And can I tell you, just live your life in front of people. Show people how to get it right and show people how to get it wrong right. Show people how to repent. Show people how that when you make a mistake, you say, I'm sorry, or I missed it, or hey, would you please forgive me? That's all I did. And I remember it was... 2015, Tam and I had already moved down to start pastoring Maranatha Fellowship. My father-in-law was at UHC dying with cancer. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, a, it was either a Thursday or a Friday afternoon. And I drove up from Charleston to see my father-in-law in the hospital. I believe it was the last time I saw him alive. And I walked in the room. And if I'm not mistaken, Tammy was sitting, my wife was sitting by the chair right beside his bed. He had a little chair sitting beside his bed. And when he saw me, when he saw me walk in the room, he lit up. It wasn't because I was so special. It was just a kingdom connection that we had, that we developed somewhere along the way. Kingdom pulls kingdom, right? I just taught you that. And he looked at him, he said, hey, get up, let Darren sit there. 
And I thought, oh man, he, he must want me close. And it wasn't that he wanted me close. He wanted to tell me something. I sit down in that chair. He looked in my eyes as he, as he did many years before. He said, Darren, I'm going to make it. He said, I'm going to make it. I haven't lived a perfect life, but I've kept the faith. I've stayed the course. I've fought the good fight. Help each other make it. In this day that our nation is, in the day that we are quickly approaching, we need to be there for one another and help each other make it. When someone is struggling, come up alongside of them and say, don't you worry, you can lean on me. I may not have all the answers, but I'll fight right beside of you. You will get the victory. I'll help you make it. Be the one that will lay hands on someone to stir it up, but also be the one that someone can lean on. The one your pastor is in his pulpit and his body is hurting. You don't criticize. You don't say, well, that sermon wasn't what it was last Sunday. It's when you get under him. I said, brother, I'll help you make it. I'll pray for you till your healing comes. Sister, I'll pray for you till your deliverance draws nigh. I won't stop fighting for you till my dying breath. Help me make it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you stir. Stir the Spirit on the inside of each believer to be the one to lean on, to count on, to just cry on. Father, I pray that you'd touch us where we are this night. I pray that you'd touch my brother Robert right where he is physically right now, God. And Father, I'm asking for the virtue of the Holy Ghost to be stirred on the inside of his body right now. I pray that you would touch every rib. I pray you'd touch every organ, Lord. I pray you'd touch every bone, every vertebrae, Lord. I pray you'd touch every aspect of his, of his brain. I pray you'd touch every neurological part of his body. I pray you'd touch every muscle. I pray you'd touch every ligament right now. I call it whole right now in Jesus' name. I call it back into the rightful position position, purpose, place, and significance that it was created in right now in Jesus' name. I, I pray for that marriage right now that has been suffering for many years and the wife's starting to lose hope and the husband checked out a long time ago, but I, I just spiritually want to lay my hand upon that ministry, right, upon that marriage right now. And by the laying on of my hands, I stir up that passion that was there when you were dating and you were first married. I stir up that love that was there. I call an unconditional love back into existence. I call a passionate, godly husband and wife love back into existence that it was in the early years. And Lord, I pray that you 
you would heal that thing right now. I pray you'd remove every obstacle. If there's some, something unhealthy going on there, I pray you'd remove it. Lord, I pray you'd give your warring angels charge over this marriage right now. And I pray you would drive back the hordes of hell that's trying to keep this husband and wife apart. Father, touch that one that's doubting. They think they're worthless. And the Lord has already showed you your worth. Now you just walk in it. He showed it to you last night and he showed it to you again tonight. Now you stop doubting and you walk in it. I call boldness to come over you unlike any other time in your life. I call you forth right now in Jesus' name. I call apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers forth right now in Jesus' name. I call servants in the kingdom forth right now in Jesus' name. Lord, stir us up to where we'll be there to help each other make it. I thank you for it. I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube.